welcome to another episode of Meta Sidekicks. My name is Liv. This is M. M. Say hi. Yo. And we are your sidekicks to all things metaphysical. No. Yeah. And today we're talking about unicorns. Are you excited? Sure. It's going to be a horny time. Oh, God. No, I'm not excited. <laughs> all right. So many people have asked about unicorns and... Our patrons have voted if you guys want to have control over the content that we post, feel free to go down to the show notes and looky up doodly what Patreon is. It's pretty fun. You get a Discord server with a whole bunch of other sidekicks just like you, exclusive services and content. It's a grand old time. But if you can't, that's okay too because we still appreciate you watching our videos on YouTube, listening to us on the podcast airways and on our Metapsychics YouTube Extras channel. Em, what do you think about unicorns? What does the word unicorn make you think of? A horse with a horn. Yes. What is your spiritual or non-spiritual understanding idea of unicorns? I don't know. Wrong Wrong answer. <laughs> what, well, like, what do you think about unicorns? Well, I'm asking them. Oh, oh, oh okay, got it. <laughs> Takes longer than four seconds. I don't know, my guy. I feel like they live in a place of like story manifestations because they show me them in a book. That is, that is solid. Like a creative conscious sort of place. Mm. But I feel like they're created out of love and light. That's what they keep telling me. They keep showing me rainbows. That's cute. Mm -hmm. Cool, 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 cool. I also think about unicorns when I was a child I remember my mom used to take my brother and I to Babies R Us. And <laughs> they had, when you walked into the sliding glass doors, and this was like when the sliding glass doors that were automatic were like new, at least in my perception. And they had a whole case right in the front of pink or purple unicorn stuffed animals that you could pick from. And little Olivia was like, oh my God, I need it. And for like three of the times that we went to Babies R Us as tiny Olivia, I think I was probably four or five, I just kept begging my parents for one of the unicorns, and I finally got one, and it was literally, like, the best day of my life. You think I had a past life as a unicorn? I have no idea. Well, why not? Well, because I don't know if you can have a past life as a unicorn. Why not? You can have a past life as a dragon. Yeah, but I think dragons are a little bit different than unicorns. Why I could is be that? wrong. Because I think unicorns weren't created in the creative consciousness i think they are a byproduct of it but i feel like more so dragons are a little bit different but i don't know i think i have a past life as a unicorn cool so today we're talking about unicorns and i wanted to give you guys a broad spectrum analysis of the mythology of unicorns because i'm sure most of you that are listening right now would think about the western interpretation of unicorns so like medieval knights and horned horses that are white and pure and rainbows and sparkles and all that lovely like chastity and chivalry things but before that happened just like many things in the world you have to understand the eastern interpretation of unicorns which predates our western understanding and medieval connotation of the mythological beast itself so let's start first with where the Eastern inspirations of unicorn mythology came from, starting with the Indus unicorn. 
So to begin to understand how the mythology of unicorns came to be, we have to go back to circa 3000 to 1300 BCE to a place called the Indus Valley Civilization. Along with Mesopotamia and Egypt, the Indus Civilization was one of the most majorly influential civilizations of the ancient Near East. Yes, the East, because like many rad things, our Western ideas of unicorn originated there first. Now, if you were living during this time, you may have came across or even been the maker of various Bronze Age items. Certain elite members of the Indus Valley Society chose to differentiate themselves from other groups by labeling their attire and certain personal items with a seal. Many of these personal belongings turned artifacts were decorated with a depiction of a horse-like animal shown in profile with a single horn protruding from its skull. Depicted near these creatures was usually sacred water and other offerings. However, this tenuous link to the modern-day understanding of unicorns is what many modern-day thinkers attribute as the original origin for the human idea of unicorns. Isn't that pretty cool? Yep, that's interesting. So imagine yourself as like a faraway traveler doing something on like one of the various many trade routes and you come across a coin or, I don't know, a brooch or something that has this seal on the side of it. And you're not necessarily from the Indus civilization itself, but from one of the neighboring places or all the way from the other side of the world. Since all of the exploration of the world was sort of starting to take off at this time, I would say. So, and I could be wrong, but I'm sure there was like faraway travelers that are like, wow, this is cool. Neato. I wonder what this is. And you just see like the profile of some ungulate <laughs> with a single horn because it's the side view and you're like it's a unicorn no it's spider-man you know i guess <laughs> i don't know i'm just trying to think about it from like you're not from this place but you pick up the coin and you see it and you're like oh that's a pretty cool thing i've never seen something like that before so yeah that was or could be taken depending on your standpoint the first indication of the unicorn myth now, there's also a whole bunch of other unicorns in other cultures of the East that are pretty neato. And the first one, which in my opinion is closest to the modern day unicorn, kind of like our interpretation of it as Westerners, is the Chinese Qi Lin, which is their version of the unicorn. So the Chinese Qi Lin is often depicted as a dragon with either scales or fur and a single protruding horn from its forehead. The Qi Lin is associated with the birth or death of an important person. Like, they said a sage, and the only thing I could think of was, like, Master Jiraiya from Naruto <laughs> when I was reading it. Like, when he came forth from wherever and was born, there was just, like, a Qi Lin that was like, Nay! In the background. Okay. <laughs> So these unicorns were said to never disturb any part of earthly life, not even a single blade of grass. In order to keep their peaceful existence, they were said to be able to delicately walk on water or glide over land. They carried a gentle, benevolent demeanor and were able to get along with all walks of life. So their demeanor, not necessarily what they look like, is probably what is mostly related to how we today in the West would think about unicorns like Magical, happy beings that live in harmony with the world. Love and light. Yeah. So, fun fact. In 1414, the Ming Emperor was gifted with a Qilin 
only to find out later that it was a giraffe. Isn't that funny? Interesting. You're just like, mistake. I got this cool dragon, guys, and it's a unicorn. You want to come see it? And then some dude's like, hey, I got bad news for you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how bad of a day he was having. I don't know. If someone gave me a giraffe and I thought it was like a rhinoceros, I would still be like, it's pretty cool. You want to come see it, guys? <laughs> and another fun fact for all of our, I think it was a Disney movie, but I could be wrong. Disney, Universal, whatever. One of the big old movie people. Uh, Sisu, the character from Raya and the Last Dragon, I think actually had inspiration drawn from uh, Chilean mythology. Although I think the character of Sisu from Raya and the Last Dragon uh, has two horns instead of one, but same, same, but different. Did you get to watch that movie? No, I have no idea what you're about. I recommend it. It's mm-hmm. a Raya <laughs> and the Last Dragon. It's so yep. cute. Never seen it. It's it's fabulous. All right, now next unicorn take, I guess. So you also have the Islamic unicorns. The first of which is called the Karkadan, which or Karkadan. And I think it sounds pretty cool. I feel like if I get a dog that looks like it could be maybe a little bit scary, but majestic, I want to call him Karkadon. I think it'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just sounds like a big old scary monster that's going to eat you, which is kind of consistent. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so the Karkadon, unlike the benevolent Chilin, was depicted as fearsome and bloodthirsty. They were said to actively hunt humans and that anyone who would hear their cries would instantaneously die. They would be like, no, my ear hole holes. And then See, I'm telling you, I was a past life as a unicorn. <laughs> a carcadon. Well, actually, wait till we get to the uh, Sadhavar. That one makes me think of you, honestly, in uh, like the way your art style is. But so anyways, the carcadon was revered as being bloodthirsty and fearsome and that their cries would kill anyone that heard them. In one story, the Karkadon defeats its mortal enemy. Can you can you guess what its mortal enemy is? Your mom. No, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on. A mouse. That's close because of the relationship between the two in satire. But no, no, no. It's an elephant. <laughs> mm. And you're like, you can't have horns bigger than me. You're my mortal enemy. That's what I thought about. Jesus. You got to say it in like a Randy Savage voice. That's what the Karkadon would sound like. (laughs) So in one story, the Karkadon defeats its mortal enemy, the elephant, by impaling it with its horn so deeply that it can't get unstuck from its opponent. And he's just like, I got you, but now you're just stuck on my face. Gross. Right? (laughs) Like you would think like our understanding of unicorns is like pretty and whatever, but the origins of the unicorn is actually quite sadistic and odd. So based off this info, what would you guess a carcadon would look like? A crocodile. That that's I would probably think that too if I didn't do the research. Mm-hmm. So in a very old text, the carcadon was described by polymath Al Baruni as a scaly buffalo with yellow hooves and a horned nose. So he's like a kelpie. I thought Kelpies were supposed to look like seals. They look like horses. Do they? Oh, no, I know what you're talking yeah. about. No, 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 I know what you're talking about. They're like supposed gotta, to be like black horses or something. Yes, I, <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. Got it, got it, got it. Well, okay, so based on what 
Al Barini says, a scaly buffalo with yellow hooves and a horned nose. What is your next guess of what a carcadon could actually be? Your mom. That is not an answer. But it's a good one. <laughs> a mouse. I <laughs> No. A dragon. No. It was a rhino. Mm. This dude saw rhinos and uh, was like, it's a carcadon. And then, you know, from his description, the idea of a carcadon was interpreted by many others and mistranslated and embellished to create even more zoological amalgamations, such as, so original carcadon was talked by Al Barini, Baruni as a scaly buffalo with yellow hooves and a horned nose. And people were like, got it, cool, bloodthirsty, horned nose, scaly. This is what they came up with after that. They had winged antelopes, horses, some feline figures that had a single horn or double horns protruding from their forehead, and other mismatched creatures. One account describes a carcanon as having the head of a camel, the body of a mule, a tail and hooves of a bull, and then another story retold it as being an elephant horse mashup. Just people were like, carcanon, got it. Winged antelope. Just crocodiles. <laughs> Crocodile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one medieval geographer named Muhammad al Idris writes that the carcadon's horn is so big that you cannot wrap both your hands around it. So this dude. You know like, what else is like that? <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> you started it. No, you're right. I told you this was going to be a horny podcast. That's why I'm not as excited for it. <laughs> So this medieval geographer saw a carcadon, is what he says. And I, I feel like when he's talking about this description, uh, Muhammad al-Idrisi, uh, I think he's talking about a rhino, but he writes that the carcadon's horn is so big you cannot wrap both your hands around it. Same. And then there's a naturalist called Al-Damiri, and he insists that the horn of the carcadon is so heavy that the creature cannot even hold up its own head. Same. <laughs> All right, and now the next Islamic version of the unicorn is the Sadhavar. So I said M would like this one because it's kind of like a jackalope, but with a twist. And Mm. it just made me think about your BFA projects. So the Sadhavar is depicted as a deer-like animal that sprouts hollowed-out branches from its single horn. Its bare, tree-like horn creates enticing music as the wind passes through its branches. However, unsuspecting victims are attracted by the melody, only to be devoured by the Sadhavar as a snack. That also sounds like me. <laughs> a bloodthirsty deer thing that just has a horn of a tree and mm-hmm. it just... And it's so full of love and light. <laughs> um, all right, so there's actually a Persian unicorn folktale. So the story tells of a unicorn horn being ground up and mixed with dust, then sprinkled over bandits who were found on the outskirts of a city poised to rob it. The hero sprinkles the unicorn dust on the sleeping bandits, causing them to become paralyzed. And because the bandits cannot move, they cannot steal from the people, and the town is saved. Huzzah! It's so like Baltimore drinking their blood. Yeah, and this goes into... So this Persian folktale goes into a lot of the magical properties of unicorn horns that people believed. Just like in Harry Potter. So unicorn horns were sold by hunters and bought by the elite for 
their alleged magical and healing powers. Many horns were made into cups or staffs and used in, like, I think it was Christian churches as well. So if you look at a lot of Christian church art and things, pictures of unicorns and their horns are depicted a lot. So these cups and staffs made out of supposed unicorn horns were prized by royalty and seen as even sacred. Queen Elizabeth actually had, like, a Norwal horn that was believed to be a unicorn horn and it was like super super protected because it was sacred and awesome and had healing powers so later most of these things were found to be rhino horns or even norwell horns and the remedies for using unicorn horns were countless they had magical things such as they were able to cure illnesses, keep a horse standing that was lame, heat cold water, and even ward off evil forces. And that's why all of the rhinos are dead. <laughs> I actually wanted to look into that and research it because I know a lot of people poaching. think the same properties happen with ivory and yeah. their horns. And it makes me really upset and angry. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like unicorns are gone, but people still think that these horns hold powers. And it's like, that's not that's not how it works. We don't go around yanking teeth out of your head and then calling them cool things. So stop doing that. Anyways, that's a whole soapbox for another day. But you are correct. I'm sure that's exactly where all of that came from and yeah, continues to be today. makes me angry. So now we have Eastern to Western ideas. Of the unicorn. Do you have any questions, comments, things to share? Okay, I'm excited. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. So around 400 BCE, Greek physician, ugh, it's Satisius reported Indian unicorns in the following manner. He said that they have crimson heads, multicolored horns, and shapely ankles. Ooh la la. <laughs> and they, he noted them to be extremely bloodthirsty by nature, capable of outrunning any animal there is, and they're only vulnerable when they leave their foals to graze. However, 
They are remarkable parents and they rarely leave their young anyways. So much so is their bloodthirsty nature that he noted that they prey upon hunters and kill them as well as their steeds. So you just got crimson horned rainbow multicolored things running amok, running down people and just gutting them open. And you researched all of this, and you have the audacity to tell me that I don't have a past life as a unicorn. I mean... Why do you think my signs and symbols are rainbows? But I crawled out of hell. (laughs) That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? I mean, I'm not telling you that I don't think you have a, a past life as a unicorn. You do you, boo. I'm just saying that most unicorns come from real life things. So I don't know how... So do mermaids. That's true. So... You do you. Anyways, we have the Aristotle's depiction of a unicorn. Actually, no, we're going to talk about Pliny. Pliny first. Pliny was another Greek person because all of our Western ideas come from Greek things, right? That's why I'm listing these things because we are very impressionable people. And this is where all of these things came from. So Pliny wrote of a beast he called the monokeroses, which in Greek, Latin, whatever, means single horn. It was said to have a stag's head, elephant's feet, a boar's tail, and a single black horn. Claudius Alanius described his version of the unicorn as a red-haired horse with a curly pigtail and spiraling horn. And Aristotle's depiction of a unicorn is that of a goat with a single horn who floats or flies as transportation. He floats across the earth without touching the ground And eventually, Aristotle's depiction of a unicorn would lead to the association that all unicorns are male because it was a dude goat with a single horn just flying through the sky, which makes me think about, I think it was... How Noah only took one unicorn on the ark. I'm so excited that you talk about that too because we're getting into the the Catholic Christian idea of unicorns next because they're in the Bible too, I guess. But no, it makes me think about, I think it was Odin in our Christmas episode with the, the goats that pull the sleigh. Hmm. <laughs> Just, you know, they had two horns, but maybe they were actually unicorns. Who knows? So now we have the West and the East mixing together. So Abrahamic scripture, which was mistranslated from its original Hebrew name of Re'em, meaning ox, to the Greek monokeros, taken to mean unicorn, The original, I think it's called cuneiform symbols, which are in this Abrahamic scripture. They look like two wedge shapes. Originally, they were interpreted as having two horns. And it kind of looks like if you were to put like a box on one side and then or like make like a little simple house and then turn it on its side or like an equal sign and then a parenthesis a little bit. But the original cuneiform symbols, this little I don't know, two wedge shapes were interpreted as having one single horn. Today, most scholars take the the symbol for Re'em as a double-horned creature, but, you know, that's where the misinterpretation came from. So this cuneiform got messed up along with the mistranslation of Re'em, which is ox, to mean unicorn. So the unicorn's ferocious nature was carried for centuries from western depictions or eastern depictions to the west isn't that cool yep that's interesting it makes me excited (laughs) 
So the unicorn's ferocious nature is carried on for a few centuries, which can be seen in various Christian excerpts. So in 370 CE, Saint, I think it's not Basil, it's Basil or Basil. They said it funny, but Saint Basil warns of a unicorn in his collected homilies on the creation story. One passage states, And take heed unto thyself, O man, and beware the unicorn who is the demon. But then he says, The unicorn will gouge and devour man, and that the epic power of the unicorn compares only with the unconquerable strength of God. So he's like, Hey guys, unicorns are the devil, but also the only thing that could be as unmatched in strength is that of God himself. And I'm like, I don't understand. Are unicorns cool or are unicorns not cool? Probably both. I mean, half the people think mermaids are cool and half the people think they're out to kill you. That's the same thing with fairies. That's true. And dragons. There's also a story of, I guess, someone says that in the Garden of Eden, the first animal that was with Adam and Eve was a unicorn. So I don't know. Interesting. Maybe that's why horses like apples. (laughs) You're not supposed to eat from the tree. Well, I know. I just thought it was funny, you know. <laughs> what if, what if the, what if the unicorn actually was like, "Hey, let's eat these apples," and then Eve's like, "Nah, let's not eat these apples." So and that's why they died. Why well, I have no idea because I don't know this uh, Saint Basil, Basil, Basil. I don't know. Are we? What's the? What's the Gordon Ramsay Basil? <laughs> just insert Gordon Ramsay here. Uh. I don't know. St. Basil says that he's like the the demon. He's like the devil. So I don't know. Diesel Bob. I don't know. He just says, and beware the unicorn who is the demon. But I don't, I don't know what the unicorn was doing in the Garden of Eden. We're just spitballing. Mm-hmm. Anyways. <laughs> Another text is an anonymously authored book called the Philosophicus. Yeah, Philosophicus, and it's a Christian natural history text written sometime between the 2nd and 4th century. They describe the unicorn as a baby goat-sized creature with a fierce attitude that could only be lured away for capture using a virgin as bait. Thus, the association of the unicorn with the Virgin Mother Mary was born, pun intended. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Right? I just love how all this stuff, like, goes down the line like a waterfall and it just spitballs. It really is just a giant game of telephone from BCE to AD. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's with everything, though. It really is. It makes me happy. So now the idea of unicorns being associated with Christ was cool for a while until Pope, I think it's Gelasius, put the kibosh on the whole idea. Pope Gelasius declared the whole thing heretical in 496. Now, the unicorn was back to its proverbial forbidden fruit, and uh, people got jiggy with the idea of the unicorn itself, and it exploded across Europe in the Middle Ages and the medieval times. So, you know, the idea of the unicorn itself kind of kept a little bit of its Eastern characteristics of being ferocious and uh, bloodthirsty and all these other things, but it wasn't until 496 when Pope Gelasius was like, this is all heresy, and the people were like, oh, the forbidden fruit of the unicorn, we're going to make it bigger. And they did, because that's just how it goes. When mom says you can't have a cookie, now you want a cookie. <laughs> that cookie was the unicorn. 
So the Christian story of St. Barlam and Jehoshaphat tells about a monstrous unicorn. St. Barlam is teaching about the inevitably, the inevitability, there we go, there's too many T's in there, of death using the unpredictability of the world as a unicorn parable. So in the story that St. Barlam and Jehoshaphat talk about, a man ends up being chased into a well of snakes by a unicorn and he just hangs onto a tree branch in this well with all these snakes just like being i'm a snake around him uh which you know he just the unicorn is outside of the well waiting with a lobster bib to eat him and this dude's just hanging onto a tree branch which eventually he dies but the whole thing is that saints barlam and the saint barlam dude is trying to teach jehoshaphat i guess like you can't escape death and they used the unicorn to do it. <laughs> Are you going to go up to your children one day and be like, I'm going to teach you how the world works with a death-eating unicorn that's going to chase you into a hole that you can't escape because eventually you're going to die anyways and the things that love you could hurt you. I have no idea. Yeah, I feel like unicorns were dangerous in Harry Potter too. So Were they? I mean, horses can be dangerous. Yeah. So That's true. 1,500 pound animal, like. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know. You know, unicorns are supposed to be happy and whatever, but. Yeah, but you got to protect the happiness somehow. Otherwise, they would all be dead. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, what? (laughs) They're all dead. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my friends are dead. Sorry. Um, So, this created the idea of unicorns being associated with death even being able to detect and kill false virgins. I'm pretty sure I was a unicorn in a past life. I mean, go for it. I'm all about it. I want to be a unicorn, but I want to be like Pinkie Pie or something. That's the difference. (laughs) So the hunt of the unicorn is a seven tapestry series created in the 1500s that was lost until it was found. I don't remember when it was found, but that like crazy sort of era that followed... Uh, Pope Gelasius sort of ixnaying the whole cool thing about unicorns being related to Christ. Some person in the medieval ages was like, nah, dude, I'm going to make seven tapestries and then sell them individually about the hunt of the unicorn. And then eventually maybe people are going to be like, I'm going to put these together like some sort of, what is that movie with the dude that trapped, like finds treasure and he has to put all of these clues together to treasure planet no it's not treasure planet what the hell Mm, it has nicholas cage in it i think it's nicholas cage dude if someone yes it's like national treasure the original national treasure is the seven tapestries of the unicorn hunt thank you i needed that absolutely pop culture trash that's me so (laughs) the seven tapestry series created that was lost in the 1500s and then found If you put all of the tapestries together, it shows this white unicorn, very much like what we perceive unicorns as today, being hunted by these people and then just like killed. And they use a virgin to try and like lure the unicorn away in order to take it and kill it. And uh, most people say that this is a parallel representation to the story of Christ's crucifixion. So, yeah, that's another way that, you know, unicorns have been taken into mythology and folklore in our society today now 
because of the sort of mystique and fearsomeness around unicorns and the legends that created them, they've been used in modern day to represent a lot of cool things as well. One of those things is the Scotland's coat of arms. If you look at them, they got two unicorns. And it's cool because in a lot of old texts, unicorns had split hooves, like goats or cows, not like horses. And in the Scotland codes of arms, they have those same goat-like hooves where they're split. And uh, they actually have lion tails too, which goes back to how unicorns had more of a, what is it called? I think it's, it's not chameleon, it's chimera, sort of chimera factor of it's just a whole bunch of air, like animals put together, but it was cool. So to represent power and strength and just being that thing that, eludes everything else for like the greater good ish type thing so unicorns are real however each world account can be traced back to real living beings such as indian rhinos the tibetan antelope the i think they called it the onager and the kiang which are both types of donkeys and in the case of the indus valley unicorn they figured out was a representation of something called an auroch which is a type of large wild cattle whose ancestors are today's domestic cattle, which I thought was kind of cool. So, fun fact, some people believe the idea of unicorns dates back to even prehistoric times. So, before the Indus Valley unicorn, and cave drawings and bones were found from a creature named the Elasmotherium, which they believe inspired the beginning of unicorns before the Indus Valley So if you look at the cave drawings, there's actually just like this giant ass rhino thing on the side of a wall painted, which is kind of cool. It was like this Mm -hmm. really hairy rhino. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, did you know that dinosaurs, like dinosaur bones actually led to people believing in giants existing at one point? Yep. You told me that. It's kind of like the same thing. I think George Washington believed in giants. I could be wrong. Don't quote me. That's just the like ADHD fun facts that live in my head right and free. So the European unicorn has since then been created from all of those cool, cool things. Isn't that fun? Mm -hmm. Now we have stuff like Lisa Frank, stickers, mugs, and a super gory scene from uh, the cabin in the woods where this dude gets like disemboweled by a unicorn. Mm -hmm. Did you see that? I figured you might know about that. It's a good one. (laughs) And then we also got Twilight Sparkle from My Little Pony. So unicorns may look different from culture to culture, but you could all categorize them by their rarity, ferocity, and unpredictability, which can all be seen in each of their shared legends. Now, on a little bit of a different note, I didn't know this, but the queer community have taken the unicorn to represent their ideology as well, as a creature which shuns the status quo and reminds others how special and resilient they are. Uh, the unicorn has been adopted as both slang and a symbol. And this is the part that I didn't know because I know LGBTQ plus is rainbows and unicorns that I'm totally on board with. Love rainbows and unicorns too. But a little more concurrent with the times, Ukrainian LGBTQ plus soldiers have been sewing unicorn patches onto their uniforms as an expression of pride, solidarity, and the desire to be seen echoing the essence of the unicorn's nature whose power lies in its outer status, hybridity and resilience to classification. And I just thought that was really beautiful because that's not something that I knew. So given the admits of the horrible war that's in Ukraine, a little bit of unicorn power can go a long way. 
Did you like my story on unicorns? Yay. It was great. So if you guys like things like this, make sure to like and comment if you're listening on the Metapsychics Extras YouTube channel or give us a good rating or a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And let us know what you want to hear about next in the comments below. If you're interested in joining Patreon, go looky-doodle at that in the show notes because you'll help get priority over picking what we talk about next. But until then, thank you so much for listening. And good night. We are your meta-psychics.